What is up and welcome back to the ANA Sports Show. My name is Anthony Cortez and I'm joined alongside my two good friends and co-hosts, Mr. Alexander Ashley. What's going on, fellas? And Mr. Kevin Rowe. You're welcome. Appreciate you showing up, Kev. It means a lot. For those of you joining us for the first time, I doubt anybody is. But hey, if somebody out there is joining us for the first time, welcome to the party. We're an all-sports podcast, three friends that get together almost every week, try to every week, uh, talk about the good, bad, and the ugly in sports. Yay, sports. It's a beautiful time of the year, not only with winter changing and fall slowly running through the San Antonio air, but baseball is on pretty much every, every night. Playoff <laughs> baseball, I mean, is on pretty much every night, along with um, some occasional football and some college football. So it's just a beautiful time of the year for sports fans. Really anyways, good intro. How long were you practicing? <laughs> I didn't. That was, that was straight up. Uh-huh. I didn't. So the, for those listening, I will forewarn you, you may hear me yell out expletives or cheer depending on what happens with the Astros game right now because currently we are watching game four of the ALCS. We've got a resident Astro fan here who is not happy. I'm just gonna say that. So anyways, currently. before we get rolling the rest of the the rest of the way here, Alex likes to start off our shows with useless information. So I'm gonna go ahead and let him do that. Yeah. Uh let's start off with uh Candace Parker, the perennial all-star, the now two-time WNBA champion, and the Chicago Sky taking home the WNBA championship. Uh, This is the first in franchise history, second for Parker herself. Uh, And one of the interesting things, although it's not I thought of, but interesting things I noticed about this is they actually went into the postseason with a 500 record. Um, That just goes to show that – as long as you can make it to the playoffs, you always have a chance to win. Um, it was really impressive. They took down some of the higher-ranked teams uh, on their way to number one, uh, playing against the Mercury, Phoenix Mercury, which has some perennial all-stars as well, including uh, one of the more famous ones in, in Brittany Griner. Uh, two things are not very brotherly lovey in Philadelphia right now is John Bede and Ben Simmons. Uh, just do not seem to get along at all at this point. It's from all reports, they actually got into an all-out brawl during camp. Um, as we all know, the NBA season is right around there. Uh, and so all these teams were kind of reporting back. Actually, I think we may even had the first couple of games of the season recently. Uh, however, Ben Simmons has been having issues with the 76ers organization. He actually did not play there this year. Uh, and it has gotten to the point where he lost over a million dollars, decided to come back to training camp, but has not been giving it any effort to the point where he's actually uh, playing in sweatpants with, you know, his phone pocket, you know, everybody's kind of calling him out on it and him and Embiid just got into it. Uh, so that does not sound like the city of brotherly love, although it also seems very much so like Philadelphia at the same time. Uh, and then last practice and suspended for a game is pretty big mm-hmm. from the coach too. Absolutely. And Doc Rivers is a very pro player kind of coach. Um, so for him to have to go and do something like that speaks volumes to what was actually happening. Um, and then last but not least, and I hope I'm not taking this as a favorite thing from anybody, but it's just such a good news. That I think we need to talk about it just right up the top. Major League Baseball is doing something right. It's super amazing. Uh, starting in, I think, 2022 is what I read. Uh, Major League Baseball 
will provide housing to minor league players. Um, for the longest time, there's been this talk about how minor league players kind of get the short end of the stick. They don't necessarily make enough to, to live. Finding housing is difficult for them. They don't get paid very well, uh, among other uh, struggles that they have. But to see this, it was a huge step forward, I think, for Major League Baseball um, and just kind of taking care of their players from top to bottom because the minors are incredibly important to this game in particular. Um, you know, there, there's not another minor league organization like it. Uh, or at least that operates kind of the same way. So it's just a really exciting thing for baseball and for players moving forward. But those are my quasi-useless highlights. Candace Parker won her first championship with the LA Sparks, correct? You would be correct. All right. Check out the big brain on Brad. <laughs> <laughs> When did she become a Chicago Sky? This is her first year, as a matter of fact. Uh, <laughs> she is kind of in her, uh, like, LeBron James phase where they both are kind of saying, oh, well, you know, we're a little bit older, we're a little bit slower, but it's our basketball IQ that helped us get to this point, yada, yada. That's yeah. kind of where she is. And I only use him as a relatable tool because, like, everybody and their mom knows LeBron at this point. Um, whereas everybody and their mom should know Candace, but not as well. Although it was cool to see that the WNBA for the last two years has actually had increased ratings. And a lot of that can be attributed to the, uh, new commissioner, uh, and her ability to actually market the game. Um, so that's always great news to see that kind of growing, and especially with all the support that the WNBA is getting from from NBA players, it has to be like that, but it is good to see that these guys are kind of supporting it and helping it grow also. But anyway. Brad signing out. <laughs> Where's that from? It's Pulp Fiction, right? Uh, no. Damn, it's just, isn't it kind of ironic I can use the line to make fun of somebody who knows everything I'm, and yet don't more know? More than positive that's Pulp Fiction. For anyone listening out there, don't, don't yell at me. And I'm, I would say don't write any correct me, but nobody writes it anyway, so whatever. Anyways. I'll literally just take your word on it. <laughs> yeah. Week six is in the books, NFL, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. You uh, nailed it, dude. It was. You nailed it. I knew it was. I knew yes, it was. Yeah, I was I, I, like, I saw the lines. Like, I knew, like, what you were exactly what you were talking about. I'm like, where is that from? And I was like, I know. Great I know. Call. I know where that's from. And I thought, Great oh, call. Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the big kahuna burger <laughs> the big kahuna burger do you know why they use the metric or do you know why they call it uh whatever they call it in the uk the metric system check out the big brain on <laughs> that's hilarious all right great movie this is a great movie and this has been your daily or your weekly movie influx to hey. your sports podcast Testing the waters of our of our new media podcast. Okay, I, I, I don't care what anybody says about Tarantino. That man is a genius filmmaker. Anyways, True. we're gonna move on. Uh, we can start with our pick'em games. Not well, not start, but we can do with our pick'em games. Uh, we had the um, all of us had the pa- Panthers uh, taking the Vikings, which turned out to not go that way. So we all took the L's there. Um, I the had Vikings the, going to another late game overtime game and pulling it out. 
and this time not on the League of Greg Joseph. Which is crazy because, again, the Vikings have been like one play away from having a very different record. You know what I mean? A very different record. He's just still Kirk Cousin and Dalvin Cook both had a game, man. Mm-hmm. They're just so hard to read, man. Like, I just – like, you want to trust him, but you can't trust him because, you know? Okay, but here's That's why question. we all pick the Panthers. I mean, yeah. We're <laughs> true. Like, is it that we can't trust him? Is it – do we not trust Zimmer? Do we not tr- – like, do we not trust Cousins? You know what I mean? Trust Cousins. Because that guy is so up and down throughout his career, it's crazy. I guess I don't trust the consistency because I mean they they've been they've been there because they've been to the playoffs they've made they've made an NFC Championship appearance in like what it wasn't last year it wasn't the year before was it the year before that they beat the Saints to I think it wasn't to, that long ago when they beat the Saints to go to the yeah. NFC Championship game so it I mean was eighteen it, or nineteen I guess it's just which again was like one play it's weird the Vikings games seem to come down to one play. So, very weird. But anyways, um, any word on when or how long Christian McCaffrey is going to be out? Uh, I think they just placed him on IR this past week. So, I mean, it's – He's out for a while. He's got a minimum two more games. That's unfortunate. They go as he goes, and that's just unfortunate. That's what it looks like because they, they have fallen apart the past few weeks. And it's not even just so much the offense that can't perform. Because, I mean, they put up 28 in this game. But their defense, surprisingly enough, has really gone downhill as well. Which, for through the first three weeks of the season, they were the top defense in the league. All of a sudden, they've collapsed. And a part of it is they lost their first-round draft pick, J.C. Horn, to an injury. And... I mean, they've picked up some pieces. They've got C.J. Henderson that they traded for from uh, Jacksonville, and they traded for Stephon Gilmore. I was like, didn't they just get Gilmore? That's not some pieces. Yeah. That's like up from the, That's Patriots. the top three. But, I mean, it's not enough, apparently. And I, I, I don't know why they fell apart because <laughs> they were looking good. And they had, a, they had an up-and-coming defense, young defense last year. They brought in a couple of uh, – Veterans this this season, including Gilmore now, and it's some's just not clicking this year. Well, and let's give them some credit too, a little bit in the Panthers, and that the last two losses, even three losses, have all been without Christian McCaffrey, right? And we all know that who's been injury prone as of late, but is by far and away their best offensive. Uh, uh, skill piece. Number two, two out of the three losses have been within one score, one of them being a field goal. Uh, and number three, realistically, we may not like think about it because they have looked so good so far, but they are in full rebuild. You know what I mean? Like, this is the second year of Matt Rule's uh, yeah. GMRE, head coachery, right? Not GMRE, but yeah, head coach. Yeah, but he, like, they are still full rebuild mode. You know what I mean? So two out of the three losses coming on – or coming from less than one run – or less than one run, sorry, baseball's on TV. Less than one score, full rebuild mode. They're not playing against these, like, super bad teams. I mean, Dallas has shown to be a really good team this year. Philadelphia 
is up and down, but they have talent. Minnesota, very much the same. You know what I mean? But now they have New York and New York, Atlanta and Atlanta, New England and Arizona, and they could very easily win three, at least two, or three or four of their next games. You know what I mean? I would say they'll probably go two and two the next four games. I think they, I could see them winning the first two and then losing the next two. Potentially. I'd, I'd agree with that. Then again, you could – I mean, you have the you have the Patriots at home, so, you know. I don't think we thought that they were going to spank New Orleans like that either, especially after New Orleans' first game. You know what I mean? Now, New Orleans has been a little bit exposed, but point being, they can still surprise you. You know what I mean? Um, our second game – what was our second game? Or our third game? I sh- no, second game, yeah, was the Chargers and Ravens. We all picked Chargers, rightfully so, and – and here and here comes Lamar Jackson proving us all Apparently wrong. Not rightfully so. Yes, yeah. I was like, yeah, no, not even close. Not even close. Just no. like dumb, 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 dumb. I didn't get yeah, to watch that, much football this week. What else? Uh, yeah, I think that we, as a football community, just need to like put. Lamar Jackson on the same pedestal as the other elite quarterbacks in this league? No. Uh, no, no, no. He no, not no. look like it. Okay, absolutely. He's won 85% of his games. He has a better okay. pass accuracy every year. Everything that people say he can't do, he then Hold does. on. Hold, slow your like, roll. On this game alone, he went 19 of 27 for 160 yards – or 67 yards. He had one touchdown and two interceptions. Don't tell me he belongs to be on that upper tier of quarterbacks. You want to put okay. him in the in the realm with running backs? Absolutely, I'll do that. No, because he doesn't play running back. He plays I, quarterback. I understand and if he that. wins and does well, then he gets to be a top-tier quarterback. <laughs> you tell – if he can start passing consistently, consistently game in, game out, and not have these uh, bad games, probably one, one out of every three games that he throws a goose egg like this, uh, I'll call him an elite, an elite quarterback. But right now he's an elite runner. Okay, I'm not even going to call him running back. I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He is a quarterback, but he's an elite runner, not an elite pass. And what you look for in a quarterback is his passing ability more than anything. I will give him that he's an elite runner because you know what? He ran for eight carries, 51, 51 yards in this game. Um, which is only two yards behind their leading rusher. But the fact of the matter is the Baltimore offense is run heavy. They ran for 187 yards in this game and three touchdowns rushing. That is the reason they won this game. That is the reason they ran away with this game because the Chargers do not have a rushing defense. Their rushing defense was awful. Okay. Now, the past few years, Baltimore just... has shown itself to be a running football team, which – can complement a little bit of the pass. Okay. Let me just say this. There are players in the sport who don't act traditionally like the position that they play, and we will oftentimes herald them as great players at that position because of things that they do particularly well. If you want a good example that we talked about very often, let's look at, like, Fernando Tatis Jr., who is a – dog shit defender, but like offensively genius, right? And we all give him credit for being a great baseball player, a great shortstop because of what he can do. Lamar Jackson, 
who is, by the way, a good thrower. If you look at his career stats, he is a good thrower um, of the football. Uh, I mean, even this year, he has about a uh, 99 passer rating. So that's pretty good. Um, You know, that's top third in the league. Uh, Oh, and then he can also run all over everybody. So just because he doesn't act like the prototypical pocket passer quarterback Tom Brady lookalike, does not make him not an elite quarterback. And I will, at this point, defend him because every time we said he can't do something, he does it. So just because he throws sidearm and runs all over everybody doesn't make him not an elite quarterback. I do not. By the way, he has a better winning percentage than most quarterbacks in the last four years since he's been in the league. If you don't need him to look like Tom Brady, do you need him to pass more? Or do you need him to do what his strength Uh, is? Apparently not because he's winning and winning a lot. Yeah, throwing and running the ball. Go ahead, finish. Well, no, I'm just saying, we can look at his career stats and see what consistency looks like, or at least improvement, which is what everybody wants to see. Let's go Lamar Jackson. I don't need him to be more consistent in the fact of – I don't need him to pass more. I need him to maybe throw 20 times a game, okay? If you go – 15 for 20, and your um, two touchdowns, no interceptions, or even two touchdowns, one interception, okay. And then you add on top of it his rushing numbers. You know what? I'll go ahead and give you that. I will give you that you're an elite quarterback. But the fact that he can come in here and then throw throw a goose egg like he did for only 167 yards and only get one touchdown but two interceptions, give away the ball twice – that's going to really hurt you. If you don't have a good – It only really hurts you because most other quarterbacks can't make up those two passes on the ground, which he can. But continue. You've got to protect the football. You've you also got to score, which he does. And when you're throwing <laughs> interceptions, that's not protecting the football. That is not – Okay, how many happen. interceptions do you think would be too many in a span of just one season? How many is too many in a span of one season? Would it be more than 10? I would say more than 10. Okay. He hasn't had a season where he has more than 10 interceptions. Nine is the most, and that was last year. By the way, he has gone, uh, what is that? If he throws 10 interceptions in a game, that means you're averaging less than one a a game. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that seems pretty good to me. Oh, plus he runs uh, better than – Everybody else in the league. Plus, how many, how many of those were his fault? True. Yeah, that's a great point. You could argue that for any quarterback in the league pretty much. I, I would agree with that too. Yeah. But if you want to look at it, this season he has nine passing touchdowns and five interceptions. He has right. less than a two-to-one touchdown to uh, two interception rate. If you ha- don't have at least a – if, if you want to talk about an elite quarterback in the league, I would say that ratio needs to be at least three or four to one. So He's let me ask this. Why can't an elite quarterback in the league have a touchdown to turnover ratio? Why does it have to be passing touchdowns to interceptions? Because the idea of a quarterback is to drive your team down the field. Now, whether you run it in or whether you give it to pass it in, I mean, 
why, why, okay, let, let, actually, let me change the question because I heard this phrase the other day. If we changed the name from quarterback to player, right, the one who makes the play, the playmaker, who would be the number one in the whole league? In y'all's opinion, if it wasn't quarterback and throw away your traditional standard of quarterback where it's sit back in the pocket and pass, right? That's interesting. Who would be number one? I don't know. Because I would say Lamar Jackson, because he has just as he has above average passing, but then far superior running. Josh Allen would be a close second. Yeah, I think Josh Allen would be a great example. I like Patrick Mahomes. Pat, Doesn't yes, run the ball as so well. We're not thinking of yes. Uh, uh, who else? Kevin, let uh, me ask you this: uh, if if his strength is running the ball and he finds a, he finds the right balance that the you know their offensive coordinator whoever play caller finds the right balance between him running the ball and him passing the ball why why do you need him to do more passing okay let me put it a different way for you guys what what do you think the most important job is of the quarterback it, outside of moving the ball forward? Wouldn't you say possibly protecting the ball? Yes, uh, I would say putting team in a position to win games. Okay, well, also and wouldn't the protecting the ball, in well, other words, not giving up turnovers, be part of that? Uh, that would yeah, that would definitely be a part of it. You're absolutely okay. right. Okay, this season combined between. Rushing and passing, he has 11 touchdowns and nine turnovers. Okay. Tell me that's elite? Um, yes. Really? Because he has a 35-8 and eight record. So – it Throw a record like out because you know what? It's not just hold on. Better. It's not just the quarterback that's responsible for the record. Because you can't tell but me that we need to last keep that in mind. Deshaun Watson quarterback was not, that exists. You can't tell me last year that Deshaun Watson was not one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and yet they went four and twelve. So record is not the yeah. only indicator of a good quarterback. I so try again, sir. Uh, no, uh, you asked me what is the most important thing for a quarterback to do, which is put your team in a position to win, right? That's the most important thing. And with a 35-8 and eight record, it looks like he is putting his team in positions to win as the quarterback. So, and it's, it seems to be working pretty well. He's a 3-1, to one, almost 3-1, to one, a little bit better ratio of winning uh, as the quarterback, which – you know, if you don't win, it can also be your fault. I'll uh, like Bakerfield, who's not winning, and now we all super blame him, even though he's a serviceable quarterback. So, are you sure that's them winning because of him or in spite of him? Uh, I would say because of him, and I think that if you ask any NFL executive, they would a hundred percent agree. Cool. So, uh, Trent Dilfer was elite the year they won the Super Bowl, then, huh? Yeah, if you're that good and you get your team to solve them, probably. Oh, but he only had one year, not four. And well, Joe Flacco in his like three or four great. years as a Raven. 
Um, yeah. I mean, if you have, if you are good enough to get to that point, then yes, because you <laughs> won it. So at that point, yes, you are. How about your winning quarterback, Tyrod Taylor? <laughs> hey, he's a winning quarterback. He's a winning quarterback. You said yeah. it. You said <laughs> the words. Not me. Oh, God, I love doing this. Have I ever mentioned how much I love doing this? I love doing this. Oh, man. Guys, if, if better listening, if anybody listens and anybody wants to write in, please tell us your thoughts on that. Uh, I will agree with you. I, I will agree with you in some in some aspects, Kev. That you know, it's important to. I mean, as a quarterback, I mean, if you turn the ball over multiple times, you know, you don't give yourself a good chance to win. So I will agree with you on that. Like that, yes. But his the record does speak for itself. So, and I mean, my also, I mean, my biggest takeaway from this is. He knows what his strength is. His coaches know what his strength is. Play to that. Give you know you have to, as they always say, you have to get. You have to uh, take what the defense gives you. And I mean, if they're dumb enough to let you run all over the place, not dumb enough. If they, sorry, I shouldn't say that word. If they're, if they can't stop you, then why not take advantage of that? You know, if if you can find the right balance between passing and running, when you're their best, you know, rushing option, it is what it is. You know. Look at Vince Young, the year, the year that Texas won the national championship, you know? Pop quiz, Alex, who was the, who was the running back the year that Texas won the 05 title? Vince Young. Who was the actual running back? Uh, I don't know because it's Vince Young. <laughs> <laughs> who had, like, 2,000 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards, which has only happened like four times in D1 football. No, it wasn't Ricky. After that. Uh, Jamal Williams? That sounds maybe right. That sounds right. I'm curious. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, I got to look it up now, too. I got to know. Anyways, well, I don't have to look it up. Anyways. Uh, we can move on. Browns and Cards, the Car- the Cardinals and Browns were our last uh, pick of game. Uh, besides our pick, besides our lock and upset, um, Kev, you actually you actually picked right. Cardinals, they're just on a roll, man. Browns, Jamal Charles. Uh, sorry, Jamal Charles. Yeah, Jamal, Jamal Charles. Charles. There we go. We all failed that pop quiz. Anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I even Googled it, and it gave me, like, Roy Ramones Taylor, and I was like, I don't even – there's no way. <laughs> that person doesn't exist. Yeah, they do, but not. I just not looked at the, the uh, roster and was started scrolling through it, so. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Kev. You're welcome. Huckam Horns, baby. Uh, uh, my, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Dude. Adam in the first half. Yeah, we always do. That's like <laughs> that's like the story of the season so far. Yeah, we always have him in the first half. <laughs> Got him in the first half. <laughs> Got him right where you want. Uh, Browns and Cardinals yes. were our last game. Um, I didn't get to watch this one either, but Cardinals are just on a roll right now. And Baker Mayfield having a scary moment. Uh, uh, I don't know if he hyperextended his shoulder or what happened with it, but um, or dislocated the shoulder and they popped it right. They popped it right back into place, but. Uh, he went down uh, awkwardly on his shoulder. 
uh, left shoulder, that is, non-throwing shoulder. And um, J.J. Watt, being the nice guy that he is, immediately calls over the trainers, notices something's wrong with him. And um, he, I believe he did walk off on his own power. I'm not sure if, what the status is for next week, if he's going to be questionable at best. But um, your boy Hurd actually was doing a segment on, on Baker Mayfield saying – or I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Hurd or if it was uh, the Speak for Yourself dudes. But um, how – should we be worried about uh, Baker Mayfield? I mean. Worried like for his job or worried like for his health? Job, I would say. Yes. Uh, I don't think you've got to worry about his job yet. Well, not like this him. season, but like going forward. I Their whole point was because Kyler Murray is outplaying him right now. Kyler Murray was his backup at OU, and guys that are not superior to him yet are outplaying him. Every one of his contemporaries outplays him. That, that I, that's a bad comparison, I think. But okay. I mean, I would you look. You look would, at the way college works. I mean, underclassmen generally back up the senior classmen. And I, no, I would agree. I, I, I didn't think that was a great way to look at it because I mean, Baker has more experience than Kyler, but he's just Kyler's playing at a better level right now. And I would agree. I think what they mean by that more is like if you look at the three losses they have, if it's versus Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes, the three wins that they have was versus Andy Dalton, Kirk Cousins, and was Tyrod playing game two? Or were those already over David Mills? Tyrod, yeah. Or was that the game? Tyrod started game two. Yeah, that was the game Tyrod got hurt. Okay, so do you see the comparison? When you go against – young quarterbacks in his age bracket with also good teams because remember the Cleveland Browns were by all intents and purposes rated number two for best overall roster in the entire league. Uh, They keep losing to everybody else. Uh, They keep losing to all these good quarterbacks around his age. They lost to Murray. They lost to Herbert. They lost to Patrick Mahomes. So if you, as the quarterback, and that age right, can't beat the guys around you, you know what I mean? Yes, the record is not all on the quarterback, but everybody gets injured. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we can go to way, our... Baker's having a better passing year than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Baker sure can't run, can he? So I'll take the guy who is above average and an elite runner of the guy who is average at running or average at throwing and cannot run. I'll take a B plus and an A. I'll take a B minus and an A plus over a B plus and a C or F. Law of averages, homie. <laughs> Moving on to our lock to our locking up sets. My my uh I I got both mine right. Your Cowboys just keep winning, Kev. They keep finding ways to win. After week one, that is. Five and one on the season. After How you about beat them Cowboys. After <laughs> you beat the um, who they play? Patriots. 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 Uh, finding ways to win. Five and one. Dak still looks good. You should run away with this division. There's no reason why you, why the Cowboys shouldn't run away with the division. My prediction a few weeks ago saying that the Cowboys were gonna win the division by at least three games is looking pretty good right now. At least. Yeah, it definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody yeah. else just seems getting worse. <laughs> and then uh, – uh, No, the Cowboys look like a very real team because one of the, the – somebody said that trademarks is like 
if you can go on the road, not play particularly well, still win, you are in that kind of upper echelon. And that's what happened. 12 penalties over time with a rookie quarterback. You know what I mean? Like that. And they still won. They managed to find a way to win. Dak found a way to win. You know what I mean? Cowboys offense get, uh, putting up almost 600 yards of offense. The most offense ever given up by Bill Belichick defense as a head coach or coordinator. Kev, as we're not halfway into the season yet, but I mean, almost halfway into the season, what is one, what is one aspect of this team that you see that could t- potentially hurt them from? I'm not even going to say winning a Super Bowl, just making it an NFC Championship game. Mike McCarthy, coaching. I would 100 percent agree with that. Yeah. Okay. If you look honestly, if you were to rank all of the coaches by their worth to the Cowboys this season, Mike McCarthy would be at the very bottom. His ability at the end of the game or in key situations to make a ill an ill-fated call or a less than desirable uh decision have Almost, they, it's kept some of these games closer than they should have been, to be honest with you, and could have potentially cost them a couple of these games. Um, Kellen Moore has been fantastic as an offensive coordinator. Dan Quinn has been a godsend to that defense in Dallas. But some of these calls on fourth down and what to do with either bring out the kicking team or put the offense back out on the field – some of the um, <laughs> clock management has been a huge issue with the Cowboys. Um, Which, by the way, there is literally an article from 2017 when he was with the Green Bay Packers questioning his clock management skills. This apparently is not an uncommon theme in Mike McCarthy's life. So, you know what I mean? That year away from football has not helped his ability to, with clock management. He may have studied analytics and tried to got, get more onto the analytics side, which honestly, it, it's kind of shown he's gone for it more on fourth down than he did in the past, it, as demonstrated in the first half with some of their fourth and two plays, fourth and one plays that they call. But when it came down closer to the end of the game, you see him kind of revert back to his original conservative approach, and it worries me. All right. It really worries me. He, he will cost them a game or two this season at least, and potentially a playoff game. Where do you see it costing them, just out of curiosity? Anywhere on the in schedule? The game, clock management, if – one key situation that happened in the Patriots game, it didn't actually affect the outcome of the game. But when you are going, when you are facing a fourth and one on the Patriots 37 yard line, and you have, it was about 30 seconds left in the game, you need to make your decision right then and there. If you are going to go forward and fourth down on that fourth and one play, you let, you call a timeout. If you are going to try to kick that field goal, you let that clock run down as far as you fucking possibly can before you call that timeout. 
so you don't give the the opposition time on the clock. He immediately called a timeout, then sent his kicking team on the field. They ended up kicking the 51-yard field goal, which, okay, thank God they did, otherwise they would have lost the game right then and there. But you end up leaving about 25 seconds left on the clock for the Patriots to get the ball back and run down the field and either win it, uh, win it on a field goal or just throw a bomb and actually get a and win the game with a touchdown, which they already showed you that they could with that 75-yard pass play right after the pick six that Mac Jones had thrown. Don't give your the other team a chance to score if you can help it. And they could help it, and they blew that. Still got away with a victory. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it could have cost them. They were lucky it didn't. Yeah. If that was Aaron Rodgers on the field, not Mac Jones, that could that probably would have cost them the game. Hey, Alex, real quick, what was your thinking with taking the Texans? Um, I guess my big thing was uh, <clears throat> injuries to the Colts. Um, they didn't play that poorly the game before. The Colts seemed to lose any game that they're supposed to win. Um, and it felt like they were kind of gaining some momentum as because you know at my at my work we put all the games on but a lot of them are more kind of local so we've been watching a lot of the Texans uh, and it felt like they were kind of gaining some rhythm gaining some momentum it seemed like they were making less coaching mistakes less playing mistakes um, David Mills had one really bad game but the rest of them were kind of serviceable they're not going to go be the guy to win you know, a, a season for you necessarily, but he can win an individual game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Just kind of a gut feeling. I thought, hey, you know what? If they're ever going to do it, now would be the time. <laughs> Texans yep. have been outscored 71-3 to three in their two – their last two road games. Dude. Like I said, if they're ever going to do it, it was going to be against the Colts. <laughs> One last game I we could talk money about. On the Jags. <laughs> yeah. I would have put my money on the Jags. Speaking of, Anthony, your pick was the Jags for an upset. How about you in that one? Yeah. I uh, I just – I kind of went the same route. I looked at I looked at depth charts and I looked at injuries and who was out and all that, and I just said, you know what, the Jags, the Jags are due. And sure enough, they go to London and they get a victory first of the year. They acted like they won the Super Bowl, which, I mean, you know. Anyways, think yeah. about it. That was really needed for that team. The head coach already has a scandal. The number one draft pick talent of the century has been kind of struggling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's all this running it like a like a college organization situation. So they, yeah. they as a group, really needed that. <laughs> yeah. I would agree. That was huge for them. One last thought uh, before we close out part one. Uh, Kevin, I think you got this pick right. The Raiders. The Raiders uh, upset the Broncos. Um, Or did you have them as a lock? No, they were uh, an underdog. But after the crazy week that they had, the Raiders came out and and, uh, won on the road. So that's pretty big of them. My thought behind that was What's up? Derek balled out. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
my thought behind that was you see coaching changes happen in the middle of the season a lot. And while this one may have been different circumstances, it was still a coaching change. And generally when you see a coaching change, you see that team ball out for the new coach. And this was no, uh, this was another example of that. This was no exception. Um, these players came out and played hard for, um, for the new coach. And honestly, they were up against an opponent that I deemed quite beatable, and that's Denver. Denver has recently has kind of struggled a little bit. Um, a lot of it, shit. Yeah. So I saw it being a good chance for them to get an upset here, and sure enough, they did. They rallied around their new coach and gave him a victory. There you go. Everything's in the world, gentlemen. Um, go runners. 7-0, and nationally ranked, both polls, coaches and AP. Go runners. Got uh, lot tech this week. Let's go. You see the news today that came out just a couple hours ago? Yeah, I saw, yeah. yeah. Officially, them and five other teams from the um, Conference USA have sent uh, letters for application for the American Athletic Conference. Yeah. There's nothing that's been said about when that they will be formally invited to the conference and potentially begin in 2024. 2024? I haven't seen a year yet. So 2024? That's when the teams currently in the AAC are ticketed to go to the Big 12. Okay. And that would be UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. Yeah. So, yeah, big news. It's a special year and just exciting time over there at UTSA. Yep. You got one, Kev? Uh, I got two. One personal one is my son, Joseph. We are going to be putting in his first organized sports league. He's only two, but he's going to be playing soccer starting Saturday. Hey, nice. And then uh, my second one, what's up? It's a little football. little football. Soccer. (laughs) Um. My second one is kind of a funny one, actually, and it happened in the Astros game last night. Uh, in I don't remember which inning it was, but it was just kind of funny to see. The batter was Jose Siri, and Joe Buck is up there throwing out these jokes about Apple products and this and that. But they turned it into an ad after a pitch. Joe Buck actually said, hey, Siri. And then, sure enough, here comes that bottom thing says, uh, show me baseball's RBI leaders for postseason. Then whatever the Apple tune is and everything. They actually turned his name into an ad. I thought it was funny as hell. Oh, well, I missed that. Uh, Alex? I really like uh, – we have, and maybe for – one of the first times in a very long time, um, a lot of different faces in college football um, kind of move up and down. Now, I'm not still 100% sure that the rankings are 100% accurate, but I just do like seeing kind of influx of some, some guys that have kind of been out for a while 
Uh, Baylor's kind of a feel-good story after all the things that they went through. Very down years. They've now built a very strong program. They're six and one. Uh, UTSA's up there. You know, that's really cool. University of Kentucky, who has not been a football school since like the 1960s, or even had a good football team since the 1960s, is ranked 16th. They were, you know, I think top 10 in the nation like last week before losing to to Georgia. Uh, CCU undefeated as kind of a smaller school. Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati, yeah, ranked second in the nation right now. Georgia, who has just been killing it. You know, they've always kind of been that three, four, five behind. So it's cool to kind of see them. Michigan State, uh, Oklahoma State. I, again, I know they're traditionally good schools, but it's been a while since these guys have really been like top tier. So to kind of see a shift, to see Alabama with a loss down at four, um, to see Michigan be a good football team again when everybody's been shitting on that program for for so long at 6-0 and uh, with some quality wins under their belt. Like, it's cool. It's cool to see some new names and some new places. North Carolina State is up there, the Wolfpack. Um, are, you you know, you gotta, are you saying you're enjoying the parody? Uh, no, because <laughs> what I'm enjoying is the fact that come bowl time when, let's say, what is it, so two plays three. So when Cincinnati will play, let's just say it ended the way that it ended, right? So when Cincinnati plays OU and they lose by, like, 40 points, we can all stop the fucking conversation of is Cincinnati better because they went undefeated playing cupcake schools compared to Georgia, Alabama, SEC teams, Big Ten teams. I can finally be like, this is why you can still lose in the SEC and be ranked higher even though you went undefeated versus Ag State Tech University. So I'm excited to to see how this season shakes out because maybe we can finally put to put to bed this concept of, well, the Golden Knights were the national champions because they beat Auburn one time. Good for fucking you. <laughs> so I'm excited to see how this season shakes out. <laughs> oh, man. And with that, we'll see you later. I don't even want to do the outro. Peace. See you.